Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled, according to Reuters, that the Securities and Exchange Commission in-house judges violate the U.S. Constitution by denying fraud defendants their right to a jury trial and acting without necessary guidance from Congress. Wait, what? They're... This could be basically an overturning of the administrative tribunal. Basically, is the there idea- is an administrative tribunal? Of course, there is, and and they and they have like authority of a judge and and, and can convict like companies or people or something. I think so. Well, maybe, wow, maybe not after this court decision. It's a two to uh, two to one ruling, so not the full circuit court. What mm-hmm. I forget what they call that, where it's just a portion of the court that uh, that looks at a case, but. The court ruled in favor of a hedge fund manager, George Jarsky Jr., Jarksy Jr., and investment advisor Patriot 28 LLC, overturning an SEC administrative law judge's determination that they committed securities fraud. A spokesperson for the SEC and counsel for the petitioners didn't respond to a request for comment. The Dodd-Frank Act, Act, which Congress passed in 2008, expanded the SEC's ability to seek penalties in its administrative proceedings, in its ruling Wednesday, the majority of the court said that because seeking penalties is akin to a debt collection, which is a private right, the defendants are entitled to a jury trial. So again, they then appealed. To, so the uh, the people the SEC was going after then appealed to the SEC, which of course is going to get you the same exact right. result. Uh, and so then they brought it to an actual court, and they said, we hold that, one, the SEC's in-house adjudication of their case violated their Seventh Amendment right to a jury trial. Two, Congress unconstitutionally delegated legislative power to the SEC by failing to provide an intelligible principle by which the SEC would exercise the delegated power in violation of Article One's vesting of all legislative power into Congress. And so basically saying, Congress, you have no ability to delegate your legislative power that's, that's kind of interesting um i'm wondering if that also means other institutions which have, yeah administrative like you know quote unquote courts will also be um you know unconstitutional based on this ruling because i that's believe what i'm hoping they established some sort of copyright court although it was sort Ooh. of a voluntary thing i think and i think that passed but i'm not 100 sure actually i think it did i'm pretty sure it did um but then there's also i think there's some other other like Court. like like and again this is probably at the federal level so i'm not sure if this applies to the states or not but yeah, i don't know about that it, there's also state courts and or many states that have like administrative kind of sure. uh tribunals for you know all sorts of things chris you also had a story uh about the sec the securities and exchange commission a government bureaucracy making life very difficult for any u.s-based cryptocurrency firm it's basically to the point where if you our cryptocurrency developer, if you're somebody who's coming up, cooking up the newest thing, that what might be the new hot thing in crypto, uh, or you're trying to join the, the DeFi uh, scene, decentralized finance, you better just not base your company out of the United States because you're going to have to throw millions of dollars at defending yourself, just like Library is doing, LBRY.com, with the SEC and it it's just it's got to really suck to be in that situation. I mean, I know how bad it is being <laughs> under criminal charges by the federal government, completely bogus criminal charges, but it's got to be just as frustrating. I mean, even though there's no jail time per se for the uh, the folks at library, 
but there is the potential ruination now, uh, of their business. I thought that was criminal against at least uh, Jeremy. I've not heard of him being arrested, if that's the case. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about an arrest either, but I understood it to be criminal. Uh, I, I thought it was criminal as, as far as I what I thought. I don't think so. I think they're just trying to determine whether or not that uh, the library token is a security. The Securities and Exchange Commission is vastly expanding its fight against cryptocurrency fraud by hiring more than a, to- a dozen new employees to combat cybercrime, the agency said Tuesday. The additional 20 de- uh, positions will result in almost a doubling in the size of the agency's cyber unit, which is also being renamed the Crypto Assets and Cyber Unit to reflect the group's growing mission, the SE said in a release. The cyber unit was first founded within the SEC's Enforcement Division in 2017. I, I think this is, my, my gut feeling is this may be a scare story to get people to pay their crypto taxes, but I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but is that even what the SEC does? No. Uh, wouldn't that be the IRS? So I don't yeah, know. Maybe I'm wrong. IRS. By nearly doubling the size, of the, I might be thinking of another story that was in regard to the IRS, though, because I think the IRS was also hiring. So I'm probably just thinking of the wrong story. Yeah, here. there's an all-out assault against cryptocurrency oh, in sure. the United States government. And look, if you want to protect people from uh, crypto fraud, just tell them to be careful when they're opening emails. I mean, I get all day long, you know, most of them go to my spam folder, but uh, I get crypto fraud emails constantly. There's, I mean, the problem is there's a deeper underlying problem when it comes to people who get deceived uh, when it comes to frauds. It, it's not cryptocurrency. If it wasn't cryptocurrency, and here's the thing, it, there was a time before cryptocurrency and these frauds also happened then. They sure did. So yeah. it's not cryptocurrency that's the problem. The problem is a lot of it is people who are, you know, they may be vulnerable by nearly doubling the size of the key, of this key unit, the SEC will be better equipped to police wrongdoing in the crypto markets while continuing to identify disclosure and controls issues with respect to cybersecurity. SEC Chair Gary Gensler said in a statement, in addition to policing cryptocurrency exchanges and coin <laughs> offerings, the SEC will also be monitoring NFTs, decentralized finance platforms, wow. and stable coins, the release said. Okay, so it doesn't, That's a lot. this doesn't sound like they're targeting users anyway at this point. Um, no, it's too hard for them to target users. It is. It is. They always, government goes, goes after the centers. They go after the... The corporations that go after where the money is. Now, there may be some big users, you know, whales or whatever you want to call them out there, but they're harder to get a, get a hold of, especially in a I system mean, where you don't you can't easily identify who the customers they're are. They're definitely going after some small fish. Sure. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, at least politically, you know, politically targeted individuals. Um, yeah. There have been a few cases where uh, libertarians have been targeted clearly, you know, by government. I mean, again, I, I don't know. If was, I'm not saying a CC specifically, but uh, government agents targeted mm-hmm. individuals who, you know, small time kind of crypto sales and things of that nature. So this is one of these things I think most people don't understand. I mean, a lot of this stuff is, you know, it's, it's set up such that you lose and you lose either way. Uh, If you take it to trial, you spend, you know, who knows how much money if you, if you settle, well, I mean, you might get out in a shorter, a shorter amount of time, relatively speaking, but but, then you're a convict, right? But then you're a conflict. The rest of your life is potentially, you know, impacted. Um, you know, there's, there's so many, yeah, it's, it's so scary. It's, It's, uh, it is really scary and it's an absolute nightmare you know, whether we're talking about people being charged criminally or we're talking about the companies that the SEC is going after, like library, where, again, they're not necessarily facing criminal charges. But as you said, you lose either way. If the 
uh, if Library becomes you know successful at the end of this case between them and the SEC, if Library you know gets found whatever not responsible, I don't know what the term is in in civil court, but not liable or whatever it is, um, then they still spent millions of dollars on attorneys. Right now, maybe they'll be able to recover that from the SEC. I don't know how all that works. I doubt it. I mean, but, you know, one thing you can't get back is even if, even yep. if they are able to say, all right, well, you know, you owe us attorneys' fees, and then the SEC pays five million dollars, and they, you know, reimburse for whatever it is they've spent on the attorneys' fees. You still wasted half a decade of their time mm. because this has been going on for years. It used to be in the early 90s, money orders were the go-to thing and check, mm. you'd have check fraud, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that the stuff doesn't happen. It, it it still happens, but it's like it's just like because there's different tools, all of a sudden you're going to go after the tool, whereas you didn't go after the post office, you know, back in the day. Right. Why are you going after, you know, like <laughs> the intermediary just because it's, uh, you know convenient I yeah, guess. that's a good point and and even today um you know they've been coming after the crypto six alleging we committed fraud and we certainly didn't but that's what they're alleging yet when you want to anytime you want you can go down to your local 24-hour uh cvs or walgreens or whatever walk in walmart buy one of these prepaid gift cards mm. off uh this huge rack of prepaid gift cards visa yep. mastercard you can take up to five hundred dollars, I think, in a lot of cases. It's it's funny because it's actually a one of the, a very common means to, still of oh, yeah. of getting people to pay their you know whatever bills that supposedly you know they have debts for that they didn't pay and they're going to shut off or the IRS like there's ones that are people pretending to be the IRS right. calling and it's like. These, and then they ask the the person the to go IR, and buy gift cards. Right, the IRS is not going to ask you to go buy gift cards, but people will do it because they're right. afraid these bureaucracies they're not set up they're, they're set up as like criminal type organizations they're not set up to educate the public they're not doing anything that's gonna be like oh hey if you have a you know a grandmother or you know parents or whatever and they're getting senile you know arrange make sure you arrange it before they get to that point mm-hmm. um so that you have control over their finances because otherwise they're gonna empty the bank account right somebody's gonna scan yeah. your, your parents yeah or your grandparents it's sad uh and, and it's just like there's the best thing you can do is make people aware and make people, you know, give them information and then maybe these scams won't work on them. Or as you say, Chris, yeah. you know, completely take over their uh, their bank accounts. But even in that case, there's still people who are younger than you would expect that would get caught in there some are. of these things. There are. So while they certainly these scams, scammers do target elderly folks, I think probably primarily because they're more easily manipulated. <sighs> I've seen people getting scammed who were I mean, you know, in their 20s. Yeah, I mean, it's... 30s. It's, <laughs> I, I don't even know what the expression is, but it's hard to... I think it's something like, it's hard to fix dumb, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, ignorance, perhaps. It's hard to fix ignorance, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not impossible, I don't necessarily think, if people yeah. are made aware of the scams. I think I think a lot of people who are young and just not aware of it, it you know, it's some, some of it's just people not being aware of it. Hey, Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin... Visit patreon.com slash crblake86. 
8-6 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Lech Walenza, uh, the leader of the Solidarity Movement in Poland, uh, it, what was striking to me was, again, how the New Hampshire House, which voted against its own independence uh, earlier this year, uh, voted, or, you know, was, they applauded uh, when he said uh, that, that, that we should make uh, all these places in Russia <laughs> independent at taxpayer expense. Right. Wow. It's so hypocritical. You know, it's, it's wrong to be imposing secession on Russia, uh, but right to be voting in favor of it ourselves, because we're supposed to be deciding for ourselves and Russians and, and, and the people who live there are supposed to be deciding for their region. It's just it's just so upside down. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Matt Santanastaso had sent me a link to a video recently, and this may be the video you're talking about. It's He says, uh, in honor of our guest speaker, the former president of Poland, the House Speaker mentions his secession to applause. The government is always stealing from people, in this case with Ukraine, just giving it to the Ukrainian people, you know. And No, they're giving it to the uh, Ukrainian heard- government. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. The Ukrainian government. I've heard that this amount of money that we've sent them already, that the United States has sent them, is more than their like normal annual budget for the government entirely. Yes. So quite a bit a more. Free giveaway. Yeah. Quite a bit. This more. is a total giveaway. But I also want to talk about the government stealing. Um, so I was on freekeen.com recently. Oh, cool. And Thanks. yeah, there's a cool article about actually uh, the crypto six becoming the crypto two now. Yeah. Oh and yeah. It's really sad that. You know, uh, the whole plea deal thing that, you know, you have to plea to a felony, and some people pled to that. Because like you were saying earlier in the show, that totally ruins your life going forward in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so, but I also saw, so there was like an updated indictment or a superseding indictment. And yes. at the very end of it, it lists like all this property that I guess they're trying to steal from Ian. And I don't know if anybody else's property got taken by the government, but... And I've seen it, Adam Kokesh, back when he was arrested for the shotgun thing, they went into his house, they busted open his safe right there in his house, took everything that was inside. He never saw any of that stuff ever again. Yeah, it's it's a criminal gang. Uh, In this case, they're not stealing it from me. Technically, they're stealing it from the the Shire Free Church because I don't really own anything. Anyway, it's about uh, the, the evolution of the human race as we know it today. Uh, there have been various uh, species and subspecies, such as Neanderthals, which is a subspecies, Homo sapiens neanderthalensis, and species before that, Handyman, Homo habilis. Well, there was this guy living on the island of Flores, Indonesia, for years and years, and some people kept telling him these stories about these uh, ape-man-type creatures, and he was writing it all down, taking it all in, and who knows, I mean, kind of like the Loch Ness Monster or the Yetis, and there's no way to say for real. But uh, then they found skeletal remains of one, and it's, uh, they examined it. They couldn't get any DNA. Skeletal remains that were not fossilized, they said, well, this is from 50,000 years ago. These things are extinct now. Uh, and they classified it not as... Uh, uh, Homo sapiens, but Homo floresiensis, because of the island of Flores, which is where they're from. A, a separate species that is said to be extinct, kind of like they said that coelacanths were extinct until 
they found out that they're not. They're blocking the streets in the in pretty much middle of Albuquerque at midnight, and they're doing donuts, and the cops tried to break them up. So what they were doing, they were sitting on the hood of the cop's car. So they wouldn't, uh, like, uh, they, so they'd be, uh, like, uh, interfering with the police. Uh-huh. So, you know, what I'm saying is, uh, do you think this goes on in the East Coast, like New Hampshire and other states? I mean, this I state is like... You're saying they sit like, on the hood of a cop's car while they do donuts? No, to watch that. When they try to break them up, when the cops... Well, it wants to, mm-hmm. you know, the, the police wants to break up when the, all the people that are parked blocking the intersection. Um, they would sit on the cops' car, the hood, just to interfere with them. That's so they pretty can't awesome. Move their cars. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, I like that. that. <laughs> that's pretty ballsy. Uh, I mean, know, that's that's epic. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to. What do you have against donuts? Is, I mean, it sounds like fun. <laughs> The thing about it is, it's fun for like teenagers, but I mean, you know that I mean, Indian school and university—that's pretty much in the middle of the city. It's not like a five miles outside the state city mm-hmm. limit. It's pretty. But much you're a saying major it's done at nighttime, right? So there's not a lot of cars around. But well, till midnight. During COVID, right? I live right by. I live in Hampton, which we have Hampton Beach, which is a pretty big tourist destination in the summertime. Right. So during the summertime. Uh, in 2020, they decided that because of social distancing and, you know, all the COVID porn narrative, I call it, mm-hmm. they were going to close 1A to traffic so that people would have, like, more room to walk and the restaurants could spread out, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was a selectman at the time, and I was one out of two out of the five of us that thought it was going to be a bad idea because with everything going on in the nation – you know, that beach is already hot enough to patrol. We don't have as many cops. So politics, you know, the governor wanted to shut the road down for political reasons. So they shut the road down. And during the day, we would have like these guys. I'm not sure where they came from. I think they came from all over. They would come and they would do like fun activities during the day. Like they throw saws up in the air and jump over people that were laying down on the road. Hmm. And this was all perfectly safe, according to the politics of COVID. And there was, you know, quite a few people down the down that lived down there that were upset. And it was like these kids at night, they would go from doing fun things to riots and fights and things like that. Therese, uh, Therese Grinnell, she's one of the activists here in New Hampshire who was arrested uh, at the uh, the meeting of the governor and the executive council, and I think it was October or November of of last year, public meeting for basically just sitting quietly in the audience. Uh, they came and uh, asked you to come to the back of the the building, and they put you in handcuffs, Therese, and then they uh, handcuffed seven or eight other people immediately thereafter. Uh, I don't know if that was the reason you were calling tonight, but that's that's who you are, and yeah. welcome to Free Talk Live. What's on arrested your mind? for being upset? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, um, it's. It's all pretty insane. I, you know, tell told my uncle, you know, I was arrested, and um, he's like, for what? And I said, disorderly conduct. And it actually <laughs> says I said the word, amen. And on all the video, 170 people in there with their cell phones out. Um, no one can even see where I mumbled the word, amen. And 
the trooper's report was, well, I recognized her voice from Facebook and it came from that direction. (laughs) So that's enough for you to arrest me? Like, are you kidding me? So yeah, my name is Teresa. Um, I moved to New Hampshire from Southern California, actually, in 1998. And I grew up with my dad listening to like Rush Limbaugh. And so I kind of got the whole idea of, you know, um, work hard, you know, take care of the person next door versus sending it to Washington and to never see it back again. You were a nurse and frustrated with all of the mandates that the government uh, gangsters in New Hampshire were cramming down people's throats during the COVID crackdown. And that's what activated you, Therese. That's kind of where you were at in your story. You had started to go out to the street corner outside of the Dartmouth uh, Hospital there in Concord and and uh, you gathered some, some some supporters, right? I did. And um, it was the, you know, the October 13th Executive Council meeting uh, where I was actually sitting next to Frank Footloose and, you know, just there because we didn't want this federal money coming in that had a line item with the grant money that they would be obligated to isolate and quarantine anyone that the federal government found to be a health hazard. And to me, that screamed um, what I was seeing over in Australia, and I was just like, what the hell is going on? And um, so, but leading up to that, I had been pretty vocal with Governor Sununu, and he actually has a voicemail on my phone, and he was on my personal Facebook page, and I had Derek Prue, who's a National Guard, and all the night nurses at Dartmouth-Hitchcock jumping on, giving him a run for his money, or like, you can do something, like, you know, what the hell? And um, so going into there, he knew I was raising a ruckus and really starting to mobilize people. And I think his attempt to chill me from participating in the political process was what was the reason why I was arrested at the end of the day. With the exception of you knowing Frank and Frank knowing you, the other seven didn't really know one another. They were just people that were there at this meeting that were incensed at what was happening to you and Frank, and and they you know sort of stood up and yeah. and said something. I mean, about they, it. they arrested the the leadership of the opposition effectively, and it wasn't even it's not even like one group. That was the crazy thing. It was several different. Groups. I don't know if they were leaders. Or were they, were they Teresa? Or were they just so, kind of random people well, that were there? So I think I can justify seven out of the nine. So the next one, I believe the sequence was Monica, who had the 1776 shirt, and she was sitting perfectly quiet. But I think the reason, and this is just a guess, um, was before the meeting ever started, before the Pledge of Allegiance, anything of that nature, um, Kelly Potenza had said, look, everyone, there's our Attorney General, Dick Tracy. And everyone <laughs> laughed at the name of Dick Tracy, right? And Monica said, oh, no, you don't understand. He's not our friend. And he's I think definitely they, not. <laughs> and, and, and that is his real her, name, by the way. <laughs> right. He threw her a look that could have killed. And so I think that's where she got picked on next, mm, honestly. That makes sense. I think we targeted her because of that. And then AJ and Marilyn Todd were like, why are you arresting them? And Marilyn had like her four-year-old son in her arms. But Marilyn has been the forensic auditor for Wyndham and the whole election mm. integrity issues. I, in turn, um, became full-time trying to figure out what the hell's going on here in New Hampshire politically and I uh, didn't know what a free stater was and realized, wow, I think I was one of those, um, untechnically, but kind of, you know, and, you know, wanted to be here because there's no income tax or sales tax and mm-hmm. I just want to go about my business and live my life and not hurt anybody else and, 
um, you know, and then realized um, the New Hampshire GOP is just, you know, that they don't actually vet the candidates. And here I was, one of the people who would just go in and vote down party lines and um, started showing up at the state house and seeing the players and getting involved with people who have been involved for a very long time and understanding the scorecards and New Hampshire Liberty Alliance and um, somebody showed me libertyblock.com and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known about that like a long time ago. At the same time, I'm like, who's going to run against this governor? He's like, you know, Footloose would say he's a bootlicking tyrant. Like, how do we stop this, you know, federal overreach um, and save our, at least our constitutional rights, right? And everyone's like, well, nobody has the money or, you know, someone would um, say, well, I need 850000 just to get to the primary or I need 150000 by Wednesday to get in front of Corey Lewandowski and try and get an endorsement. And I'm like, this is insane. We have the most liberty-minded populace of anywhere in the country. We have all our libertarians, we have our independents, and we have, you know, our constitutional real Republicans that really don't like the idea of a bigger government. Mm -hmm. Why in the world can't we assemble and pull ourselves together and push back on this global agenda? So, you know, in my opinion right now, it's either you're for the Constitution or you're for tyranny. You know, Frank and I say that all the time. And... You know, they're spending, like our CD1 candidate is spending like a million dollars to what, get name recognition so that you recognize the name and they basically buy your vote, right? Mm -hmm. What if we all assembled together and said, we're going to find 30 people that are truly for the Constitution and have demonstrated they absolutely have no tolerance to go along, to get along, who have already stood up and put their jobs on the line testified like Dr. Strang, he's stood up and testified even at the risk of losing his license to practice. Like Paul Terry, I've heard him just like preach it, you know, and speak truth as to, you know, the um corruption. It's tricky though to find people who you know, normally like productive people don't want to go into politics, right? Because (laughs) they're successful businessmen or whatever, you know. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.